And welcome to another episode of Two Medics and One Mike. Your presenters are Imran Lasker and Thrusha Gudwatna. So hello and welcome to another episode of the Two Medics podcast. My name is Dr. Lasker. I'm a consultant radiologist. Hi, I'm Thrushkin Wardner. I'm a cardiology registrar subspecializing in intervention. And we have a very special guest with us today, someone who's been contributing to our podcast almost weekly since it began. Probably one of the most happy characters we have on Med Twitter, don't we? Uh, hello, it's <coughs> Mehul, the, the care of the elderly reg from the happy care of the elderly reg from the internet. You've got a fair bit to say, don't you, uh, on, on Twitter, which has been plenty of fodder for our own podcast. You have provided us with so many gems <laughs> over the last few weeks. It makes a massive change, doesn't it? We just cut to the source. Let's just ask him directly, like what he thinks. Yeah, exactly. Well, in fact, we've got—I think we've got you quoted a few times in today's episode. So, uh, yeah, we finally get to say, Mehul, what on earth were you thinking when you wrote this one out and you actually press send? But uh, yeah, what's been going on, Drusha? What, what's been happening in in Medford this week? Oh, well, I guess one of the most kind of like pr- uh, pressing things for. Uh, Junior colleagues, can I call them junior? Uh, the medical students are going to become F1s, and so there have been lots of kind of tweets and threads for that flavour. Um, mm. So there, there were some things that we kind of like noted down, like the threads that talked about uh, jokingly what um, what medical students could do to prepare for their life as an F1. Uh, but interestingly, and um, I, I really enjoyed the thread from Zach, you know, the one about embarrassing moments as an F1. So just wondered if you guys had uh, embarrassing stories that you'd like to share. I mean, you know what I was saying to you before that I feel like my entire career is an embarrassment. Um, <laughs> but like, but like where, where do you begin with how many embarrassing stories? So actually I've got quite a good one from when I was an F1. Um, uh, where it was one of those things where, you, you know, when you kind of don't really know how to talk to, to people, you forget that actually the people around you are just like human beings. And like, if they're like 90 <laughs> years old, you just talk to them like they're your, they're your grandparents, you just, you're just normal with them. I just, I just remember this time when uh, um, there was this, this patient I saw and, you know, he had this terrible diagnosis and, um, you know, I was, and I was speaking to him and I was like, oh, you know, is it okay if I say this in front of your mum? And he's like, that's my wife. And, you know, you just can't, you just, it doesn't matter, you know, I could tell them, like, five minutes later, yeah, I've cured him, his cancer's gone, you know, whatever has happened now, I have cured him, I've touched him, the CT scan shows all clear, but you just cannot ever get away from that. It just it haunts you, doesn't it? Because, like, your relationships can be destroyed with these people. Yeah. I don't know, mate. I mean, I don't even know where to begin half the time. I mean, I've been I've been in situations where I've I've felt, you know, I just want the world to swallow. I mean, the, the, the earth has just swallowed me up. I'm now, I said, you know, actually, there was one time um, I was on call again, and um, I don't know if it's embarrassing, it was, but it was just crazy. And I was just like, I felt embarrassed for the situation that had occurred. So there I was called and they would say, listen, you know, can we get a DVT scan? And it's like middle of the night, two o'clock in the morning. I was like, dude, like I ain't doing a DVT scan in the middle of the night. What's wrong? Because no, seriously, we really need to get done. This lady is pregnant and we worry. She's got one leg that's swollen, the, more swollen than the other. And it's really painful. And I was like, you know what? Like, it's hard to say, you know, fine, just bring them down and I'll, I'll do the scan. And so they, no one came with the patient. The, the husband was like trolling the patient in. And I was really like, oh, wow, this is kind of, it kind of brought back a few memories of like, you know, when I was having kids and stuff. And then I went to scan her and then, um, you know, she was really in a lot of pain. And I was like, where is this pain? She goes, down there. I was like, what do you mean down there? And she goes, I, I thought you had leg pain. And she goes, no, no, the pain's down there. I don't know what you're talking about my leg for. The pain is down there. And I was like, <laughs> oh, no. It sounds oh, no. like... <laughs> 
you might be about to have a baby in the middle of my department. And then oh, I looked no. at the guy and I was like, listen, mate, I, I don't know what to do for you yet, but I don't think a leg is used to it. And it's, it's a leg fine. I was like, listen, yeah, you're about, I think you're about to have your kid. I think you need to go back. And he was like, okay, okay, okay. So I kind of helped her back onto the onto the thing. And I said, and I was like, you know, I was trying to get them out of the department. I was like, look, whatever happens, don't have the baby here because I wouldn't know what to do if it did came out, come out right now. And then I kind of pushed and pushed me. He goes, and he was like, mate, I don't know which way I'm going. And I was like, I don't know either. <laughs> See ya. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know where he was going. Yeah, I felt terrible. But I was so embarrassed with the situation. Like, how does it happen that, you know, contractions could have been mistaken for a DVT? I'm more disturbed of the kind of caliber of radiologist you are that you managed to agree to doing a DVT scan in the middle of the night. I mean, oh, <laughs> mate, you know what? I'm too nice, man. I, I don't. It's very rare that I said no to anything. Uh, very, very too good. nice to an actively laboring woman. You basically just slam the like, get out of my room. Get out. I don't know where you need to go. Bye, 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 bye. <laughs> Door shut. What do you want me to do? Like ultrasound as the baby comes out? There's very little I could do in this situation. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I mean, I saw, when I was in F1, I saw a kind of confused older lady. I think she had she had memory problems and uh, uh, went, and because I was in F1 on nights, like, I had to go present it to my reg, and my reg was like, okay, I listened to the history, it's like, really good history, yeah, have you done a PR? And I was like, why do I, why do I need to do a PR? And it was, you know, because, like, she could be constipated and have a UTI and stuff, and I was like, I wasn't sure if he was, like, messing with me. And so I was like, you, and he's like, no, seriously, you need to go do a PR. And um, this was like over, overnight. I was like, why do, do I have to, you have to do it? Do you have to do PRs overnight? I don't know. But the, the nurse like overhead was like, don't worry, I'll go with, I'll go with you. And I was like, this is like, it felt like a wind up, but she kind of like almost like marched me back to this kind of pleasantly confused old lady. And then the nurse literally, like, I didn't even know what to say to this lady because, like, I felt like I had to start a new conversation. Like, how do I just kind of be like, uh, I'm back, sorry, I've got to... I mean, it just didn't see- it seem so incongruous. <laughs> like, where do- how do I even start that introducing the PR situation to her? And so, but the nurse did it. Like, oh, this, uh, my colleague has to um, do a rectal examination. Do you mind, like... And the- she was, like, compliant and stuff, but she clearly had no idea what was going on. It was awful, mate. Why was I doing this? I don't even know. You know, and it was on nights where all the nights are like dimmed and stuff it, it was just felt everything felt wrong and anyway um as i started to do the examination she goes oh you're a naughty boy and it was just like the worst Dude, was she wrong was she wrong i mean you, you are a naughty boy so i think <laughs> <laughs> was she that confused yeah she was spot on yeah Wow. She had the measure of me. She had the measure of me from the outset. So, okay, maybe I've got something very similar. Can I like, add to the story a little bit? Yeah, add to your story a little bit. So, um, there, there, was, <laughs> there was this woman that we... Oh, God, this is terrible, actually. So, um, um, my, I, was on, I was doing nights as an FHO, and um, one of my F1s went to see a patient, and I was just like, yeah, yeah, I'll come with you. I've got nothing else going on. Um, and... Uh, anyway, they were like, it was the same thing, like, oh, we need your erection exam, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they were doing the PR and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, her husband outside, husband's name was Gerald. Or, you know, it's not Gerald, obviously. Like, that's just a made up name. It's a good name, though. I, mean, yeah. it's, I feel like it's, you know, Gerald and Edna. Let's go with that. Jedna. 
Um, <laughs> um, and and then anyway, she, he, my phone was doing the PR, and and she kind of like screamed out out of bed. She's like, "Oh, Gerald, not like that again!" And like, you're just like, "Oh my God, Gerald, what do you do to this woman?" Uh, oh, God, I know. And it is okay for older people to have sex. We know that. Like, you know, oh, very very word. sex positive. Oh, my and you know, yeah. I went to a nursing yeah. home recently yeah. where there was like a fun relationship that yeah. happened, and you know. Wow, wow. I mean, that is not what I expected, but yeah, fair enough i mean there's there's plenty of things these poor uh, f1s are gonna have to be uh, keeping keep an eye out for i mean i've noticed a few of them have been um, i mean so much changes as the time goes on when you're when you're f1 till now and have you noticed that some of them are putting photos of, their, of themselves up you know or when they went into med school and going through i mean I don't know, man. I almost felt like every time I see it, saw it, I felt like I wanted to message underneath and say, you know, what's downhill from here, you know, like, I mean, have you ever had that situation where you met a reg and you see the ID and they look completely different from the person in front of you? You know, like there was one guy who had ballooned, like he was, he was skinny as a rake in his photo and he was actually massive. And I thought, wow, man, life has really taken its toll on you. So I've got like a favorite bit of ID, the one that I take to Nando's with me where the photo is particularly good, but I can't use it anymore because or, <laughs> that was my favorite one. But like, I can't do it because, you know, like I don't have hair anymore. And people are like, that's not you. But I do have a consultant who went the other way, who was humongous as a registrar and then just mm -hmm. suddenly decided one day to start doing ultra marathons and stuff. And now skinny as a rake. But like he obviously made some change to his diet because since doing that, he just lets go of the most utterly rancid uh, farts and it's horrendous because it's pure like gaslighting excuse the pun but like he'll, he'll do it and he won't say anything like they'll be really loud and horrendous and sometimes like during a PCI he'll do it and you're like standing next to him and he won't say anything oh he'll word. just like continue and you're like mate someone needs to someone needs to acknowledge the fact that this has happened but he won't and you just have to continue and it's like mate this is a sterile procedure but you've just wafted like <laughs> fart gas like it's just horrendous Therisha uh, speaking of fart gas uh, one of my friends, um, so she's telling me a story about how she, she's obviously guiding Reg, and uh, I think she's like ST1 or something. So this is a kind of cross reference to embarrassing stories. Anyway, she was in theatre and like obviously she was having some bowel discomfort, so she so she let right. one loose and you know and she farted. Right. And obviously, if you are doing a gynae operation and someone smells poo, people are going to be like, "Did you perforate Mr. Bowel?" And then they had to spend forty-five minutes trying to look through the bowel to see if they perforated this person's bowel. So. At least with Tarusha's situation, you know, you're very far away from, I mean, you should be far away from the bowel. <laughs> yeah, the one would hope. Um, there, there are some I should already mention. Like, Mehul, you're a Habs boy, is that right? Is, have I got that correct? How you did are not you, warn you... me that you were going to talk about this, about this no, embarrassing saying, period of saying, my life. Well, for the people that are listening and are wondering what's happened to the, the level of the show, this is what happens you get three Habs boys together on a podcast. Hey, I had a terrible, down. terrible time at school. Can I just tell you that right now? Really? Well, you know, it was like, you know, you, you know, in 2002, in the year 2000, being a gay Indian man, boy, sorry, was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and like going to a boys' school and being gay was both titillating and also a little bit kind of, you know, a bit sad, actually. So like my time at, like, you know, at school wasn't like the greatest as most, I, th I think a lot of people, I think this is resonating with a lot of kind of gay men now that you just couldn't be who, who you wanted to be. But now here I am, you know, look how well I've done with my life. Mm. <laughs>
care of the elderly yay yay no <laughs> yeah I, I can imagine i mean habs had uh, at, that, at that time anyway was probably a difficult place to be but um yeah you know things worked out in the end you know thankfully you're, you're a happy you're a happy person as we can see from uh, Many of your many of your tweets. I mean, uh, it wasn't today that you're you're very very happy about a three percent pay rise. Is that right? You you tweeted you tweeted about that. I mean, like, come on, like three three is a great number. You know, you know, three in a bed, that's good. You know, three three strikes, that's great. What else is great for three? Um, wait, wait, three um, strikes isn't good, right? Are oh, you being sarcastic? Aren't you? No, no, but it's like a, a num a fun number that we use, or like. Three attempts at a cannula before you call your reg, you know, that's a good number. I mean, 3%. Yeah, yeah, true. Like, 3% is just like, you might as well just on my face now. So, like, the 3% pay raise thing, I mean, um, that's for consultants and nurses and stuff. And um, looking at how, how much that is in real terms or whatever, like, I guess people are going to talk about this to death, aren't they? Are we striking? Is that what's going to happen? Are we going to strike? Oh, is it we? Is it we? I don't know. I mean, like, who's, who's striking? I mean, I'm sure was going to be, like, consult. I mean, like, I think everyone should, but nobody will. And, Do you uh, think we have the capacity to to strike, be exhausted from COVID and, like, want to kill ourselves from that? No, I think that's exactly why they do shit like this. But the reality is, you know, you know, I will moan about all this stuff. On, I mean, what, what what sort of kind of change, effective change, would I try to make to, to, you know, we can moan about this until the cows come home. But the thing is, we, even though we moan about it, we are all dedicated to our jobs and we kind of like our jobs like 70% of the time. And we hmm. saw how bad the strike was last time for patients and stuff. Like, are we going to do that again? Like... You know, are we going to do that again and be outraged with COVID and then have a... I mean, what, I don't know. Oh, dude. I mean, there was that th um, article by Partha, isn't it, which talked about how, you know, mm, it's really complicated, right. isn't it? We see kind of our work as a vocation, um, but then sometimes we kind of maybe ham it up a little bit or whatever. Or maybe that's how we see ourselves as like heroes. And so therefore it kind of detracts perhaps, perhaps from our argument about asking for more money. It's complicated, mm. isn't it? I know for me, like it ties in quite closely with my identity. And there are times when, you know, when things are really hard and I was thinking like, oh, maybe I want to quit medicine. But then I was like, but then who am I? Like, what would I do? Like, it just all kind of felt really funny. And so it's all, it's difficult. Isn't but it? that, but that is true. Like this idea that, you know, like we joke that when you go to a dinner party and you tell people you're a doctor, that's all they talk about, and they want to talk about their rash and things like that. Like it's so entwined, yeah. so entrenched in in who we are. Like you know, I go to the bloody supermarket, and whilst I'm bleeping the vegetables, whatever I'm buying, it reminds me of the bleep at work. Or you know, mm -hmm. I, I um, you know, I was I signed a card the other day, and I and I was like, oh, good luck with your new job, and I signed it off like I was signing off a medical entry. Like you just can't separate <laughs> it. Like it was like, oh, good luck with your new job, Parag SPR ST six. It's just you. Can't can't, you wow. can't separate yourselves from from the, the reality of what the job is because especially with covid like the job has become the day-to-day -day. you get on the train you see masks that's what you see at work you know you see people coughing that's what you see at work so it's 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 hard but you know what what he was saying about it kind of being a vocation and stuff i think as people and as doctors we are much more kind of we i think the newest generation doctors know who they are a lot more i think they have mm. they have got their identity a lot stronger than i ever did so i thought when mm. i was an f1 that my life had to be my job and then you get f1s mm. now who are like actually i want to leave at five o'clock and mehul yeah. can i have this day off to go to wimbledon because i got tickets last minute do you know what I mean? Like, mm. you know, when I was an F1, I would never dare to ask if I could, you know, go to a, a sporting event. Not, not that I ever would. Um, 
so I think I just think there's so much hope with all the new doctors coming in about who I think they are much more well-rounded people. Like, Theresa, do you think that's kind of yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting because I think that was part of like a reaction to the junior doctor contract, wasn't it? Because it was like, well, if you're just going to impose that on people um, and, you know, all this exception reporting and stuff, I think people are a bit more savvy with their time. Like it kind of broke a contract that perhaps we had before where we might might have felt more inclined to do overtime or whatever. And then it kind of when they did that, it was like, well, actually, you know what? Fine. I'm going to look out for myself more. I, I do think it's great. But it did. Um, it does lead on quite nicely to another one of your tweets, doesn't it? About um, it makes me think of it anyway, where, you know, you sat at the table with the F1s and they see their other F1 mates and perhaps they feel emboldened now to say, oh, I don't want to hang out with that Jerry's Ridge. I want to hang out with my F1 <laughs> friends. <laughs> Yeah, you're just not cool. Um, you just realise um, you're not that cool when compared to some of the other I mean, Imran, have you had lunch with anyone um, in the last two me... years? Do you not just sit in your office <laughs> and say, saying yes to DVTs going at two in the morning? No, mate, I mean, I'm, I'm at home a lot these days, so I have lunch with my kids and oh, my wife, which is quite nice. That's actually um, quite sweet. Yeah. I mean, I can't take the piss uh, well, out of that. No, I think that what you're talking about, the F1s and stuff having a bit more of an identity, I, I think... I think we all should really. I think we all should sort of take ourselves a bit more seriously. And I think I, I do get it. I, I really like what Partha was talking about with regards to the idea about it being a vocation. And actually when he was talking about it from his point of view, it was a mixture of the two because he was yeah. talking about how it was like a natural progression of his life to become a doctor. And I think a lot of us can relate to that. Like ever since being a kid, your parents might be telling you that you're going to be a doctor. Oh, you're going to make us so proud. And even I know that sometimes when I'm introduced to some fa new family or someone, my dad will not introduce me as Imran, who introduced me as Dr. Lasker. Oh, it's my son, by the way. And I, it's a bit cringe, but I kind of like, okay, well, dad, I guess, you know, it, it's nice that you're proud of me and all that kind of stuff. But this is the kind of stuff that I think the government and everyone else plays upon. And they really, really do play upon the idea that you being a human being are not going to leave at five because you care too much about the next human being. And I just think that at some point, at some point, if we, we can bicker as much as we want about the 3% pay rise and all that, right? But they're banking on the fact that you're not going to do anything about it. And at some point, I would hope, I would really hope for everyone's sake that we finally do something about it in a safe way. You know, like there's nothing, no one has to be harmed or anything like that. But there, there must be a way to sort of make your point. Because if we don't make your point, what's going to happen? And actually, I think last week we were talking about COVID and, you know, Tarek was talking a lot about the, the stresses that he's gone through because of COVID. But someone tweeted at us, I think, um, I can't remember her, her name, but she was saying a lot of the problems were around before COVID. So mm -hmm. COVID's only exaggerated, put on the, micro, the microscope or whatever, magnifying glass. But the pay rise, the understaffing, all that stuff has always been around. Like COVID hasn't done anything beyond the fact it might push it a little bit further along the line. And mm. you just think to yourself, like, at what point are we really going to do something? Or if not, are we just going to sit here and keep taking it? Because guess what, right? You're going to sit there and, you know, you're next year or the next year after that, you're going to be waiting for a pay rise. And I can almost guarantee you if things keep going the way they are, it's going to be exactly the same. You can't expect the same thing to happen if you're going to do nothing different. Uh, quite frankly, I wasn't surprised that it was a, a, low, a low pay rise. I mean, what did you expect? They're going to try it. And if people don't do anything about it, cool, they got away with it. And if no one, if people start doing about it, then they'll backtrack and then turn, turn around and say, oh, well, we listened. You know, I, I think the next kind of passive sort of uh, uh, a strike is going to just be people just not wanting to do medicine. Uh, and I think in, you know, I wouldn't be, would you be surprised in 20 years time that actually for the first time ever, medical schools are undersubscribed? or they have to look beyond the borders of where we are to try and get people to and recruit them. I think I think the 
you know, erode is a very good term, I think, because I think it, it's very, it's a very good way of saying that things are just breaking down in general. Um, mm. You know, things, things are being eroded. I think the kind of glamour and the idea of being a doctor, I, I think we are, especially with social media and stuff, we are, we are telling it how it is, aren't we? We are telling people mm. who are potential medical students that, you know, I think I once said, uh, yeah, it, it's a B plus career. It's a, I would give my entire career a seven out of ten, a six and a half maybe, mm. and people are going to see that, and people are going to be like, do you know what? Bleep this! Like, I don't want to do medicine if I'm going to be sat in an office with four hundred people. If I'm not going to get, a, if I'm not going to get the most basic things that people who aren't in our position get. So I think the next step is probably going to be significant under recruitment. I think then the value of, of maybe who we are as a profession will just be a bit more accentuated. But I think until then, we're probably stuck kind of where we are, which is a bit sad, I guess. Last week, I had a work experience student with me. And I just felt like I had a lot of responsibility in terms of like, I know whatever I'm going to say is going to probably have a bit of an impact on some level. Like he's probably going to go tell his dad about me if I go say something negative. So I, I tried to be as positive as I could because yes, in truth, right now things are quite nice being you know at the at the tail end of you know the training and stuff. But there were many many years where I was very very unhappy, and I know that things could be better. But he actually turned around and said to me, "Would you do it again?" I mean, what would your answer be to that? It's general. Do you know why this is this is very hard? I feel like it's a really hard question for me to answer because I think I'm very happy with where my career is right now. Hmm. And it's because I know who I am as a person a lot more than, you know, 11 years ago when I graduated. Hmm. Um, so I feel now I would say, yeah, because, you know, I know when to say no. I know how to protect my social life and my time. Yeah. I know who I am at work. You know, when I reflect back at my F1 and my F2 years, like, you know... They were so hard, and I don't know if I, I know I'm being I'm being a bit nebulous, but I think I probably would still go towards yes. I think overall, if I was like you know held at gunpoint, um, I probably would say yes. But do you know what I say yes with some hesitation? I think yeah, yeah. does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, you know, all love, all love to that you know that Mehul from ten years ago who stuck it out and got you here. What about you, Thrusha? What would you say? What would um, you say to a kid who's saying to you? Would I do it again? I think there's some days where I'd probably say yes. Like when I do it, when there's a STEMI that comes in and you, like mm. they're kind of always a pain and stuff and they feel better, like it's awesome. Um, mm. But then there are other days where like, I'm kind of wondering what I'm doing with my life and stuff. And I, th I think yeah. everyone kind of feels that right. You know, because there are aspects to it that are just really hard and you kind of feel like nobody really understands. And mm. um, they're just, yeah, so I think it depends on the day. And then when I see like other people who might have done other things, I'm like, oh, you know, what would I have done instead? Like what would have brought me, because there's going to be like naff sides to all jobs, right? Like, aren't we kind of lucky yeah. that we can even have this kind of existential question? I mean, like there's some people who just do jobs that they absolutely hate just to kind of, you know, put food on the table. So I get to also worry about whether it brings me satisfaction. I mean, like how, mm, yeah. uh, who, who, but um, I do kind of wonder about what other careers would have brought me happiness and certainly the ones that probably would have brought me more money and would money have made me more happy probably yeah uh i would have been able to afford a ha hair transplant 
so 100%. like 100%. <laughs> so I could have been I don't know like uh, like one of our friends from school. He's like a he works for like Benetton like some like racing team, and he just works on the aerodynamics of the cars. And I'm like, whoa, that sounds really cool. You just basically. Yeah, and you're like basically just looking at cars and like fiddling with the aerodynamics. I know, and you'll pop up on those Amazon documentaries about the F1 teams and have a chat to him. Like, Why do you have to have such a perfect life? Um, yeah. Therusha, do you think that he is at home thinking, ah, oh, Therusha and Imran, you know, they get to like do radiology and like it's so cool that he gets to do an angiogram and he gets to sit in the mess and, yeah. you know, watch TV at two in the morning. <laughs> oh, what a life. And like, what is it? Yeah, he'd be like Therusha, who's that guy? <laughs> when I was at when I was at Chelsea, they asked me to come and do like the you know one of those career events, but for like junior doctors. And I you know I had a big sign saying radiology, and I was sitting there as, as and everyone uh. sort of I was like right as they enter, and so they could see me, and you could see how they all looked at me, read the thing, and were like, oh, and just walked right past <laughs> me. No but way! Dude, it, yeah, not a single person. Wearing? Even micro, uh, even micro didn't come come my way, dude. I tried to look good, man. I, I was. Yeah, you, were you wearing a t-shirt? Yeah, and like a nice, like a nice muscle fit. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's where you went wrong. The sexy side of radiology. Peds and micro, they they killed it. They were getting loads of people, yeah. and I was just complete completely ignored. So even even within medicine, no one. And I don't meet many people who want to do what I do. So, let alone a, let alone a, a young a young buck. F, you know, junior, I mean, 17 year old wanted to, if I said to him, listen, mate, do you want to spend the rest of your life sitting in a dark room looking at pictures? He'd be like, I didn't even know that was a, do- a job. Like, what, what I mean, technically, Imran, that's going to the cinema. So, <laughs> Every, yeah, 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 that's pretty much what I do. Yeah, I look, I, I, the people's insides are my movie. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Rotten tomatoes for a CT chest of a <laughs> Yeah, we got tomatoes that. The terribly terrible scans and the terrible referrals that come my way. You know what? I, I have to do a bit of a cop out when you ask me that question. I have to ask him. I basically have to say, look, it very much depends on what you want. It really does. Because if you're after money, it ain't going to happen for a very, very long time. If you're after status, it may happen. I don't know whether the status is still around, but especially with your family and stuff, they're definitely proud of the doctor and the family. So that's that's a positive, I guess. So I have to give him a really cop out answer to that that's question. That's a nice answer. It's good. It's realistic. But it depends, doesn't it? Like you have yeah, to, yeah, yeah. I know the reasons change, but you, if you can go in knowing that this is what you want out of it, then at least you know. Otherwise you go at the other end and thinking, well, hang on, you know, where's my well, respect? Imran, you know, you're saying, you're saying, you know, the, you know, the pay's not great, but have you not heard? We might get a 3% pay rise. <laughs> Mate, I'm ecstatic. Like actually, <laughs> you know, I actually think that that's like really amazing. And you know, I actually called my mum when I found out. I was like, oh, mum, wow. I'm gonna take you to the Maldives. Well, I'm going to take you all the way to when we're going to fly premium economy as well, you know, on that 3%. You know what worries me? What happens if they got it wrong and they're going to say, you know, they're going to turn around and say, oh, sorry, guys, we've got it wrong. It's not actually 3% pay rise. It's a 1% pay rise. A bit like a tweet that came in not so long ago about, you know, there was a medical school that had the results come out not so long ago. And then they were told that actually there's been a slight error and the exam marks might not be entirely accurate. And some of you who have passed may have actually failed. And some of you who have failed may have actually passed. That was very smooth, Imran. That was a very smooth transition there. Can I just say? I do try. <laughs> I do try. <laughs> but yeah, go on. What do you I think mean, they should do though? Like they've obviously cocked it up. Like, should they just say everyone's passed it? Should they make everyone do the exam again? 
should they just not count the exam? Like, what's the... But it just seems like this close to starting your job and stuff. Like, ugh. Is Wait, a... what year were What, what I year were, were I thought a fourth year. I thought they were fourth oh, year. Oh, okay. Year. I think, I think. Okay. I mean, not that it makes it any better. I mean, like, you know, having a wrong exam result is obviously terrible in in almost any stage of your career and life you know mm. if you do that pg cert in medical education they tell you you failed and actually <laughs> passed i mean like that's like pretty dreadful yeah, so i don't know mate i mean i know i mean every time i failed i was hoping they'd email me back and say that oh by the way it was a bit of a mistake but it never happened man oh. it never happened um but I, I always used to hate results day and i remember actually there was a friday where results are meant to come out and then there was some, I don't know if you guys remember, there was a fire or something in central London. And for some weird reason, the college decided to close that day. And they didn't even, you know, and there's so much money spent on the Royal College of Radiologists when I think someone took a photo of the front of the Royal College and all they did was lock it up with a padlock. It was like, all well, that money and all you got is a padlock to lock this place. But anyway, I was ecstatic that day. I was so happy that I was going to have an okay day. I'd rather not know my results. That's, that's how bad it got, to, got for me. Like, I just didn't, I'd rather not know. And with this, like, if this happened to me, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, I'm, I'm, in, I'm anticipating I would have already failed regardless. And, you know, having that kind of news be like, okay, at least I get a bit more peace for a few more days before uh, finding out what really went down. I don't know. I think uh, cock-ups like that aren't exactly great for your, for your own mental health as well, don't you think? Like, I can imagine it being a little bit of a, you know, messing a bit with your mind. Uh, what do you guys think? Do you know what? Um, the problem is all of these kind of cock-ups to... Uh... Uh, borrow a phrase um, mm. are based on human beings so you know every cock up we've ever got outraged about on Twitter like mm. anaesthetics cock up or mm. Oriole cock up or health education England cock ups and you know I've, I feel like I'm a bit you know as, as a more senior trainee I've been mm. a bit more involved in management stuff and I've kind of seen beyond the other side mm. all of those cock ups are human cock ups mm. and you know like it, do you remember there was this time when there was this Excel spreadsheet yeah. um, that that got that they kind of they kind of copied and pasted it by like one row down mm. and it just effed everyone yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know unless unless we find unless health education england or the the, the the things that we subscribe to are taken over by androids um those human mistakes are still going to happen you know, no, you know, like, you know, the, the automatic kind of, uh, you know, when you do your, your ALS or something, you know, mm. you've got to colour in the boxes and things like that. Mm. Like, those results are still validated by another human being, despite them going through a, through a machine and stuff like that. Or uh, so I think. Um, it, it, it's just a human thing, I guess. Isn't I'll it? tell you, I'm going to tell you that actually, what it reminds me, that human cock up actually worked to my advantage by a massive, massive way once. So back in med school, we both we had the foundation matching thing. I don't. I mean, look, I'm. I don't know whether I'm sure that still exists. And initially, I had an F1 job in the Royal Blackburn Hospital. Not that I've got anything against Blackburn, but I'm a London boy. I didn't really want to leave London anytime soon. And yeah, uh, yeah. to me, it felt like a big deal. I felt like great. You know, I'm going to get sent off to you know Royal Blackburn. I don't know the place. I don't know anyone. I don't know if I want to even go there. It really, really made me feel down. And as Drusha knows, I failed my first. I, I failed finals. So when I failed finals, I had to repeat finals. And then they asked me, would you like to reapply for your foundation jobs? And I said, yeah, of course I do. I want to see if I can get a London job to be a bit close to home. So they were like, okay, fine, no worries, right? And then I did the, I did the whole thing. And then guess what? I got given 
Royal Blackburn Hospital again, even though I didn't apply to it. And I thought, that's weird. I didn't even apply to that place. So then yeah. I was you know, making the phone calls, trying to figure out what happened. And then there was some sort of drop-in service to go meet the dean. So I went, Ooh. I literally ran in from Baz of all places because I was a student there. And I managed yeah. to catch him at the last appointment that he had. And I, I explained the situation. Listen, I didn't even apply to Blackburn. I don't understand how this happened. And he said, give me a second. He made a few phone calls and he went, yeah, okay, look, um, there's been a bit of a mess up here, Imran. Um, I don't really know what to do. I mean, look, is it really that bad that you're going to Blackburn? I was like, I don't have anything against Blackburn, but I didn't apply that. I don't think this is my fault. And I think you need to do something about this. And he <laughs> nice. looked at me and goes, yeah, and I was really gutsy. I can't believe I said this. And he goes, what do you want? What do, what do you want? And I said, I want a job at UCH, that building there. And I was pointing behind him. And he looked and he goes, he kind of put his hand in his face like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, looking at, like, looking at you, mate, I don't know if you, okay, let me just see what I can do. And a few days later, no joke, a few days later, I got a phone call saying, look, we've had a dropout from Barnet. Would you like that? And then the, and, and the F2 jobs at Basildon, would you like that? And I was all right, mate. And I, I tried to be like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. But I was like, yes, I will take that And the that rest job. is history. Oh, wow. Well, exactly. You know, and so much of everything that happened wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for that. And I remember when I actually bumped into the lady that had made that mess up, I felt like I wanted to hug her. Genuinely, yeah. I felt like, you know what, I owe you, your mess up gave me so much of what I have right now. It's unbelievable. Yeah. But maybe it's not always a bad thing. These things do tend to work out in the end, don't they? Wouldn't you yeah. think? I mean, yeah. you know, speaking, but, but you know, I think, I think speaking, you know, to the, to the new F1, if you're hearing this, and mm. are like, oh, I wanted London, but I got Blackburn and blah, blah. Mm. Like, you know, I was desperate to stay in London and I got my, and I did, I, I was in the Oxford Deanery, um, which I know is ridiculous. Like I'm saying I was outside of London for a couple of years. You know, I was in Milton Keynes and Slough, which are basically satellite towns. But, <laughs> you know, like the experience I got outside of London was is, is, is it made me who I am now mm. uh, and actually there's there's so many amazing training opportunities beyond the M25 mm. so just, yeah. you know I, I know what you mean because I think at the end of the day one thing that we're so lucky to have in medicine is that okay there's good things and bad things about it but you know how like our careers are kind of like divided into kind of foundation core mm. specialist you know you get to you get a little bit of freedom I guess to kind of and I know there's stress involved with stress involved with kind of like reapplying and things, but mm. you're gonna get the freedom to kind of be like, oh, actually, you know, I've had been outside for London for a bit. I can now reapply and I can go back into London or vice versa. Mm. So, you know, I like, you know, I I was very grateful of um, of my kind of foundation being kind of being a bit more beyond beyond London actually overall. I think. Mm. I mean, like, uh, I I got uh, East of England for my foundation jobs and. Uh, that's pretty much where I stayed. Like when it got to core medical training, I didn't even apply to London because, um, well, like my, you know, uh, I ended up finding my wife here and uh, stuff. So like, um, I think if it's, I, I had a phrase on, I think it's Kalechi's podcast where she said, if things feel bad, it's not the end. Mm. So like, um, things kind of always feel like the biggest thing in the world when you're kind of in that moment. But actually, yeah. like you know, you um, you make stuff of it, and so and there are there have been threads even on Twitter, right, where people talk about kind of how like London has some kind of prestige with it. But I think people have uh, people grumble about the training experience everywhere, 
And it's all pretty yeah. ubiquitous. It is. It's pretty it's uniform, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I don't. I, the whole, you know, the London being prestigious is not what I was after. It's more because I just from here. Yeah, close to home, right? Yeah. It, it's close to home. That's what it was. If I if mm. I lived somewhere else, I would have wanted to go there. But I mean, I always find it a little bit baffling when other people want so badly to come to London, like as if your experience of everything is going to be any different. And yeah. actually, in some ways, I look back and maybe I should have left and just seen what life was like outside. Because even now, yeah. I feel like I'm I'm tired of London. I've been here my whole life and it's just so yeah. busy, expensive and all that kind of stuff. It's yeah. all a bit much. Oh, no, I was going to say, but do you, do you not think it's, I, I've always thought it's just a bit perverse that, you know, it's like, you know, the way that we're ranked at medical school, which is mm. like, if you are the worst performer at medical school, you're kind of given the bottom quartile. Mm. Um, when you could argue that the people who didn't do the best at medical school should be given their first choices for things because arguably if you're the bottom set quartile of, of, of university you'd be you may not be the best performing and therefore you may need the most support but actually you know if you're at, if you're at the bottom uh and you are not doing particularly well at university you could argue that being close to your family or friends and being given a choice as to where you go is where you need to be what a lovely um, way to think about it. You were very much like, you know, I wanted to stay in London because my friends and family were here. Mm. But, you know, you, you, if you were successful in your entire medical school career, then you would have been given the choice of any deanery you wanted to go to. But mm. if you had problems, like if you failed every single year, you know, you remember you get when you when you retake exams, mm. you're always going to get you're going to be always going to be capped at fifty percent, and that dents yeah, your yeah, yeah. your quartile every single year. Mm. And actually, you could argue if you failed every year. It's mainly because you had family problems or you couldn't afford something or all your friends were on a course that actually they should look at a cohort of the people who don't perform as well, maybe the bottom 10%, for example, and say, why are they not performing so well? And do they need more? Should we look at that 10% as a you know, random amount and say, maybe we need to look at where their needs are and where they should be? So I just but, but is location going to really change, you know, help that much? I mean, they could go, I mean, they could go somewhere else and get the same kind of help that they require. I just think that, you know, the idea of London being the best is not entirely true. That, that's my, my opinion. No, no, but you're right. But do you, do you not think that if you're someone who struggled at university that you would maybe thrive more if you're close to your family? Maybe, I mean, it depends on who your family is. Imran, that's what you wanted though, isn't it? You wanted to be near well, family. Yeah, the reason I wanted to stay, yeah, is because of family. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's his point, isn't it? Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. But you know, as, uh, long, as long as London doesn't become like this impenetrable fortress for tradees, where they have mm. to feel like they have to take a specific career path to get back into London, and it's all on an even, even keel, then yeah, yeah, it does make sense to be maybe out for a few years and, and then and then come back if you feel like that's what you need. I mean, it's interesting because we've got a friend who is an orthopod, and you know, I, I speaking to him, he would love to come back to London. He, he went outside mm. London to do his orthopedic training, he's doing fellowships and all that kind of stuff. And I, I think ideally he'd like to come back to London because that's where his parents are. His parents are getting yeah. older, et cetera, et cetera. But unfortunately, medicine doesn't work like that. Like, you know, of yeah. course, it's who you know and how you, you know, how you come across, et cetera, et cetera. So that is, you know, just being, just because he wants to be near his family is not going to really work. I mean, it, that's not going to be the factor that's going to help him get what he wants. And now he's got to do all sorts of other stuff to try and make himself on, on paper seem like he is, you know, the big deal. And this yeah. is something that has come up recently where we saw, I think, Thrusha, you pointed that pointed this out to us, where there was a medical student with 28 publications, um, you know, has got quite a thriving social media thing going on. I mean, this person sounds quite formidable. I mean, where are students like this coming from? How many publications did you get when you finished med school? Wait, how many do I even have now? I mean, like when I was sitting <laughs> kind of typing this, I was kind of like, 
um, I think I'd, I think the day before we'd had like Domino's and like a whole load of ice cream. So I was feeling really bloated and I was sat there in the heat in my boxes. I was feeling really sweaty and disgusting, like Jabba the heart. And I was like typing this into my phone going, like, thinking to myself like, oh God, like what have I done with my life? This guy's, he's like a baby and he's got like a million publications and he's making all this money off TikTok and I'm just, you know, I need to apply more deodorant. Like what, what the hell's gone wrong? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, this Such guy a is lovely, just lovely thought. <laughs> but he's just, I mean, it's just, uh, he was just, uh, it's awesome. I mean, very, very happy for the dude. Uh, he's crushing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you sound ecstatic for him. <laughs> <laughs> That's Com- what I got from that. You are so proud of him. I have to utter this mantra to myself, which is comparison is the antidote to happiness. I have to reply. I have mm. to say that to myself. But like you know, you said that I, before, yeah, I, yeah. That's how I feel because like the thing is, is that you see people and you know when they're crushing life, and you know it's um, it's awesome, it's awesome, and it's, some it's it's really hard. I think it's certainly maybe it's a kind of factor of my personality where I kind of it kind of maybe perhaps holds a mirror up to myself but why should I like you know he's you know he's got different circumstances and you know I've got lots of things to be happy about in my life but when I was looking at that I was just like mate that guy. I mean like that guy it's just awesome it's awesome like, yeah I'm happy for him I mean you, you know we, sh- we shouldn't be as an entire profession you know held to account by how many how many publications we've done you have mm. to admit it yeah like yeah, you yeah. know it is obviously great, but I think the idea that... Do you guys remember, actually, I think it must have been like last year or something, where someone published how many papers you have to have uh, done or how I many papers you have to have uh, written yeah, yeah. Hmm. Uh, to, have get in, to get into these certain specialties? And I think neurosurgery is like, yeah. you have to do 4,000 papers and you have to give birth to a, a child <laughs> and you have to do that neurosurgery. <laughs> and when the child is born of a, a certain age, yeah. You then have to implant the child into the brain of someone that you've done neurosurgery on. Yeah. <laughs> you basically, yeah, it's, it's yeah you've basically got to be like Neo from the Matrix, haven't you? You've got to be the chosen yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, is, it is absolute insanity that actually you could argue that if he thinks that this is the standard that he needs to be at to succeed as 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 an F one, then you know what what are we doing to to our most junior colleagues? Like you know why are we giving them these complexes already? Well, I mean, um, what I'm saying is, is that he's great, and I obviously I'm very proud of him. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree with you. It's an amazing thing to be able to achieve, but it's like. If I don't know, man. If I saw someone come turning up to me with twenty eight publications, like, what else do you do, man? Like, do you not? Like, he does TikTok. He does TikTok. He does TikTok. Yeah, that is true. You do TikTok. That is something I do. I I try my best at TikTok. That is true. But yes, you do. You do try your best. I do try. Thank you, Mel, for noticing. Thank you for noticing. It would be nice if you liked my TikToks every now and again, Mel. But uh, I can't join it. I can't join it. It's too millennial for me. I just can't, I can't do it. Oh, it's can't. Wait a second. TikTok is not millennial. That is is a young. Yes. Wait, it's the what's the young ones? What are the young ones? Zoomers. Zoomers? You are part of the bald community. You don't oh. understand me. Okay. <laughs> I'm dead. Oh. Beep. Okay, that's fine. Absolutely. What I find surprising is like how um, directed these people are. You know, even at medical school, they're like, what they're joining. I, you know, I was, I'm, I've been on Twitter, I've been a bit more active on Twitter the last year, and I, I suddenly started noticing there was radiology societies of like medical schools, like the Imperial Interventional Radiology Society. Oh, oh wow! Like, 
Yeah. I didn't even know radiology existed when I was in med school. I genuinely, I had I had very little idea, let alone this as societies. And actually, I'm, I'm going to try and help do a talk for one of them because I reached out and they seem like they want someone to talk to them about radiology. But I just found it fascinating. Actually, that's why I messed them. I, was, I actually messed them. I can't believe you exist. Like, I don't know if societies like this exist. Because does that mean that people are going into medical school knowing very clearly what they, they want to do? Like, so early on? And is that a good thing? I want to, Emma, were you like, you know, I, you know, I, I, I want to see the dark room forever, but I also want to say yes to a DVT scan at two o'clock in the morning as well. <laughs> You're so impressed by that. You're, You're away. never going to let that go. You're never going to yeah. let that go. Dude, man. I, can't, I just can't. I just can't. I mean, what were you thinking? Like, you know. <laughs> they said I they're in pain. <laughs> they said they were pregnant. They're in pain. What am I going to do? Like, is that I'm all right? I'm in pain all the time. You don't want to scan me. I'll scan you. I scan <laughs> you turn up to my place. I'll scan you. No worries, man. No oh, worries. You know, actually, I, I went to a, uh, when I wanted to be a gastroenterologist, uh, oh. uh, God help me, uh, I actually went to a, a course where they they did that thing where they wanted me to, where they wanted a volunteer. So I had to get like my, like, you know, Asian BMI of 25 body out. And they scanned me. And then afterwards, they took me to a side room and they were like, listen, you've got a, a cyst in your liver. We think oh. you should get checked out. And he was like, what? Come like, on, you know, I, I, I helped you and now you give me a disease. Like, what is your problem? <laughs> Where were you when I need you then? By the way, um, we should add that Mehul mentioned his BMI because we talked about it before. He's not in any way cussing people who have BMIs of 25. It's just that he happened to notice. What did you notice about B like brownies? We have to have lower BMIs. The the brown the brown yes. people yeah mm. uh, the browns the caramels the dark <laughs> no. chocolates and the <laughs> 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 uh, all of those delicious colours yeah apparently we just need a slightly more robust BMI yeah life world. isn't hard enough but we, we the, for us then yeah. we have to have lower BMIs as well for God's sake yeah Jesus yeah. why uh. <laughs> anyway. But, um, you know what you're saying about like you know did you know who you were at medical school like mm. you know like and, and did you join a society like did you not just join societies on a whim in the hopes that you look good in your CV at some point anyway no. could be join um, yeah no I, I I joined societies to try and meet people yeah guys all right I feel like you guys should tell us what societies you're part of because they're a bit embarrassing I think Emman were you trying to meet birds at university through societies <laughs> so. The Mrs. Dr. Lassie, did you meet her to a society? You know, it took me a while to realise I didn't really want to marry another doctor. I think I, that kind of came later later on that I realised, actually, I don't think I can handle another medic at home. And so I, I kind of actually made active, well, as active as you can be about these things to try and not not go for another doctor if I could help it. And uh, it worked. It worked. And, and like I said before, it's good when you marry a non-doctor because anything you say seems smart. Anything, you know. They don't, they don't actually know how thick I am. You know, I, I, arguably, I, you know, I might say the other thing, which is when I tell my other half, um, mm. like, you know, the mundanity of my, you know, this is the idea that I save lives, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And like, you know, there at the front line doing all this stuff, mm. and I tell them about the mundanity of my life, which is, you know, oh, I, you know, I spoke to a couple of family members <laughs> and I, I continued some antibiotics Ooh. and I asked some other people to do a lying and standing blood brush on me. Wow. I think I actually, Ooh. I think, um, I think actually it does it maybe make it a little less sexy what we do. <laughs> well that's why you don't say those things. You use big words, big fancy words, jargon, throw it at them and then and then just 
you know, wait there, wait to say, oh, that's really cool, man. You're like, yeah, it was cool. Hansel unit. That's what I said. That sounds cool. Hansel <laughs> unit. <laughs> Hansel unit. There you go. But you know, like, um, we saw a recent tweet that popped up where I, was it an emergency medicine medical person got a phone call, even though they oh, weren't yeah. on call. Oh yeah. God, right? we're gonna do this. And they I were mean, complaining. Yeah. She wasn't even. Look, the, the key thing was that she wasn't on call. She wasn't on call, so <laughs> nobody has any business calling her in the middle of the night. And. Um, <laughs> Mehal just literally walked it's off. Like, he's he like, literally I can't off. believe it. I can't believe she wasn't on call. I'm so outraged. I'm off. He's like, she wasn't on call. I'm out. I'm not on call. He's done. Yeah. Off I go. So yeah. basically, she started getting phone calls. Yeah, she got a call. Uh, yeah, at 3 a.m. Yeah. And she was just like tweeting about it, being like, you know, this is uncool. And then this. I'm sorry, so at 3 a.m. Yeah, 3 a.m. Mate. What's that it's about? 3 a.m. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm just going to go back, go back in time just for a second. Imran, you um, did a scan on someone at 2 o'clock in the morning? It was a different time. I was a registrar. Clinical need. Mehul, look, there's a patient at the centre of this. Exactly, man. You know, yeah, anyway, so the ER doctor got a phone call at 3 a.m. and they were bickering about the phone call. Yeah, well, not bickering. You're just saying, like, Understandably, yeah. I'd be I'd be somewhat vexed if someone did that to me. Anyway, so this mm. cardiologist, oh my god, cardiologists aren't they the worst? Uh, replies mm. being like, "Oh, sh you should have chosen like <laughs> derm if you don't want to get called about stuff like that." And basically, mm. then he just got rinsed. He got rinsed so hard that basically he deleted his account. Um, but that does lead on <laughs> to like this. Not been a great week for cardiology. And when like I see that meme pop up, like cardiology at it again, I'm like, oh god, here we go. And then here obviously we, go, yeah. we have to talk about the inimitable Asim Alhotra, Donut Boy, mm. mate. Donut you know Boy. What? I don't know What's where to about? begin. I, I was actually speaking to Selva uh, a little bit about um, this guy. I mean, obviously, I don't know much, too much about him, but you know, apparently, his father is quite well known. Oh OBE, yeah, like, you know, quite well respected, yeah. and uh, mother as well, very well respected in the medical profession. And I just wonder, like, I don't know, man. Like, what is what earth is going on there? Like, this guy just tweets the most random, weird stuff to upset as many people as possible, and then you know walking off and we all know what's going on right like we know we know what the game is what, what what's his game what, what's well going you on? pointed it out the other day so i feel like you should say it because it's actually kind of a nice judgment on it i think well like okay so basically when i when i was younger my parents always told me that if you say the opposite of what people think you will get attention so they were jokingly saying that there was someone that they knew that had written a book about how the 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 earth is actually the center of the universe the entire universe revolves around the earth and there are a big book about it and everyone was chatting to them and going on to them and asking them questions about why on earth would you say something so stupid but they, they got them attention and so this is what i feel about this person right they're they're an author they're writing books they're also writing books on something that they've got no real especially interest in from what i can tell hmm. and so when you're writing books that are going opposite the grain of what you know the the general establishment is, and we all know that there is a whole there's a whole swathes of society that go against medical professions. They don't like medicine. In fact, my parents are very much against medical treatments as much as they can. Arnica oil is the answer to most things. <laughs> so if you've got someone out there that is of the same profession that you <laughs> are against, and they'll write something like, you know, if Malhotra goes and writes a book about um, Arnica oil is a cure to all disease. I can guarantee you'll be a whole load of Asian parents who are like, well, there you go. You've got a doctor, a doctor mm. qualified who's saying what we think and we've all known all along. And so this is what I think. There's a game here. Get as much attention as possible. Say the opposite to what everyone else thinks and knows yeah. and sell more books. 
I think Uncle has got his game right there, hasn't he? Because we're paying attention and we are appropriately outraged. And he's got what a million followers? No, he doesn't have a million followers, but um, he's got a lot. He's yeah. got a lot of followers. But you know, I think I was saying to you guys before, like you know, it must be so liberating to just like post this absolute wank on Twitter, mm. and like you know, he's obviously, you know, no matter what you say, he obviously believes it, doesn't he? What he you think so? You think so? I don't know. I don't think he believes it. Come on, man. I just don't know, man. Like, I mean, the other day I tweeted something and I knew I'd get a little bit of grief about it. I said, I miss plastic straws. But what I meant by that, I miss the functionality of plastic straws. No connotations with the environment, nothing like that. And I started getting a whole load of jokes and stuff against me about, oh, what about the environment, dolphins and the ocean and all that kind of thing. But I know what I'm doing and I know I'm kind of trying to be a bit jesty, a bit jokey. And it kind of, it will, I hopefully did come across a bit of a joke. And I just feel like someone with this level of education surely knows what he's writing is complete. Yes, yes that's true. Uncle Uncle does have FRCP. So, you know, the, the thing that you pay £200 a year for. So that's I mean, quite nice. That's legit. It's like the WWE. You know, like they're just playing a character and then they have to turn heel because, you know, when they, when they get a bit boring, they turn heel. Mm. And uh, it's a bit like that. It's like when um, The Rock was like good, and then he was like a baddie, and they're like, oh, and everyone, people were more <laughs> attention because they're like, well, I can't believe The Rock did that. He just like took out Taker, and you're like, what? I think everything's comparable but, to the WWE, sorry. I, I guess so. I mean, you're right, Thrusha, because we do have our very own bad guy, don't we? In the form of Vain Man. Every now and again, he'll, he would pop out. As in, you know, as much as Mahul has given us a lot to talk about, I'm sorry, Mahul, but so has Vain Man. I'm going to say you're in the same sentence like, as one another. If I was Mehul, the vain doc, parent <laughs> on the internet. You're that yin and yang, almost. Like, yeah. you know, we talk about both of you almost as regular as one another. <laughs> and uh, and Vain Man has popped up because he took a, uh, a dig at someone that we both quite like, yeah. uh, Selva. Selva's been doing these quite funny, charming little tweets about what's the English word for, for when a billionaire decides to go up into space when there's world starvation, etc., etc. And then so vain, vain Doc decides to tweet back at him you know, saying, can someone just get him a dictionary? That's really mean, isn't it? It is a bit mean-spirited, but I couldn't tell because I was reading, like, I went to Vain, Vain Man yeah. or Vain Doctor thread and he, somewhere along the line, he said, I'm just trying to joke. And I just wonder whether this is his banter. He's not particularly funny. Yeah. He tried to joke. Kind of, it kind of backfired a bit. Because it's Vain Man, we leapt, didn't we? We leapt. They're not mutuals, though, are they? So like, how would you know, how would anyone know that they're joking? And also like, say if, for mm. example, I don't know, just like throwing it out there. Say if someone did like a humorous poll to suggest that perhaps <laughs> he might be worse than another person. We, you I know, know would that, that would that be reasonable yeah. or could that be construed as banter? I just don't know. It's just... I mean, you say it's banter, but you know, the guy is like 70. They did not have banter when he was growing up. <laughs> it was just about when he was growing up. Surely it was just about avoiding getting diarrhea most yeah, of the time. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, <laughs> just dodging I dinosaurs. Think, I, don't should, I don't think we should in, encapsulate him into the modern tradition. I think you know, if Imran, you posted a TikTok and I was like, Imran, this is garbage. Um, then yeah, that's bans. Okay, maybe it's not bans. Maybe it's just like an accurate thing. You hurt my feelings. Ow. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I think like I I don't know if that generation knows what bans is. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I know that's yeah, very stupid yeah. to say. But yeah. I, I think he he was genuinely a little bit being a bit. I think he was mean. probably being genuinely Isn't quite it, mean. <laughs> wasn't it back in those days? Wasn't it called like japes? Ribbing, ribbing and Jake. Oh yes, 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 Jake. Yes. Oh boy. Yeah, yeah. Queensbury rules. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. 
And speaking of back in your day, I mean, when do you guys, do you remember the first time you said your first back in my day? Because I said it, I remember, I remember the crystal, crystal clear when I said oh. to someone, back in my day. What was it oh. for? Oh, it was something stupid, like, oh, back in my day, you know, I worked 14 days in a row and I had to do seven on calls when, the, when, when someone was complaining about something. I remember what mine was. Mine's a bit more mundane. It was like, you know, someone was saying, oh, like we prescribed Tazacin for everything and how we used to think that was Domestos. And then I said, oh, back in my day, that was Comoxiclav. Like we'd prescribed Comoxiclav <gasps> and yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how old I am. My but like, God, but like and I said back in my day and then they were like, oh, whoa, okay. Comoxiclav. I mean, back in my day is a very powerful statement, isn't it? So. I don't know, you know what made me feel old is when you start to see people wear like Friends t-shirts and that's like retro. Yeah. You know, the Friends yeah. TV show and you think, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that to me, man. Don't yeah. do that to me, please. Like, come on. Yeah, mate. No, but someone said that you like when during the Euros, people were like nineteen Euro ninety six, which I remember so well. Yeah, and they're like it's twenty five yeah, years yeah, ago. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, I think, um, and it kind of brings us to one of the points about like the branding of doctors, doesn't it? You know, like the whole idea. Like, you know, we talk about junior doctors being junior doctors, and they're not juniors, but. You know, like, I'm not sure I like being called a senior doctor. I don't think I'll ever really like being called a senior doctor. It makes me feel like I'm... Uh... Uh, something really corny, but from jiu-jitsu. Mm. You know, like the word sensei, people all think it means... Uh, mm. This is so sad. What's a splinter? Yeah, people think sensei means, like, teacher, right? But actually it means yeah. what one who's been there before. Ah. <gasps> oh my God, wow. that is deep. Wisdom! That Wisdom. was very nice, actually. That, no, that was very good. I really enjoyed that, actually. That was very good. <laughs> yeah. Shut up, Mel. Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't patronise oh, me. Oh, I'm not, oh, my God, that's not sarcasm. Or oh, patronisation. Right. You are my senseis. You're both my senseis. Wow, oh. that, is, that is quite the honour. Yeah. So, you know, being, being, your, being your sensei or being someone who's been there before, let's say there's a locum job going. Let's say there's a locum job going. And you've asked your senseis, you know, is this a place I want to do a locum shift? How do you feel about that? Like, do you think oh. this is, um, so what's been happening is that, you know, locum jobs are going out and people are texting each other, WhatsApping each other. Like, is, it, is this a good locum to take? Is this yeah. something I want to do? And people are giving their honest opinion. Don't work in this place. They're going to shaft you. Yeah. They're going to take you, they're, they're going to take you for a ride. Yeah. I mean, having that experience from before, is that a good thing to be passing on to people? What, what do you guys make of that? Yeah, don't work. Oh, actually, you probably <gasps> have to bleep that out, but it is. I have to bleep that out. Yeah. I have to that out. Yeah. That is not the behavior I it's the worst. my sensei. It's the worst place. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. Anyone I liked, I'd be like, don't go there. They'll probably pay you a little bit more, but it's the worst place. You're putting your GMC number on the line. Can, can I do one as well? Don't yeah, do. ever work. Oh God, actually, I really like <laughs> no, it. No, just, you can just bleep them out, um, but you can keep the rest in or something. I don't know. Don't work in this place called... I can't do it. I actually really, I've actually really enjoyed everywhere I've worked. No, you're very, very lucky indeed. But it's nice to know that like, um, you know, like as much as I try and brush it under the carpet, try and make out that, you know, this is great and all that kind of stuff, the, you know, the truth is out there. If yeah. you're willing to look up, there's a reference to an old old TV show that doesn't exist anymore. Oh, the, the X-File, file isn't it? Yeah, if you get those DVDs and go, you've met it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Was yeah, it was exactly. it Mully and, Skull, and Skulder? Is that, oh, is that who that was? Up. Yeah. Yeah, shut, shut up, Mehul. Hey. Go away. Come on, man. <laughs> you did this on purpose. Next, you're going to be like, oh, is it Boss and Rachel or something? Yeah. Like, You'd you know, have been alive for the movie. Anyway, yeah. But anyway, it's good that uh, good, it's good that those sensei moments exist for each other. You know, it's yeah. nice that. But then, you Probably. know, there is a situation where let's say that that shift is not getting filled. It's not getting filled. You know, and then what happens? 
they're going to start pushing you to to cover that shift aren't they are going to be like have you seen those emails coming out like yeah. hi hi guys um we need monday bank holiday to be covered two of you are working uh, one of you are not make make a decision between yourselves and figure out who's covering that extra shift have you seen emails that i've been recipient of that kind yeah. of email what do you, do you feel do you feel coerced by that do you feel like I mean, I I've seen this, and I have been I have been I have seen coercion happen, like yeah. where the consultant comes in and says, um, "There's a shift going, and it needs to be covered," and that's what uh, they've said. And it's not like they've pushed you; yeah. they've not said anything more than that. But you know, between the lines, they're saying, "I'm expecting one of you lot to cover this, and I'm expecting this not to go to locum." You guys, someone needs to figure this out and figure it out between yourselves. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I've been on that. I've been on the receiving that end of that in one of the places I trained where, mm. you know, I think someone was sick and there were so many black ga gaps and stuff. And they literally was like, well, I'm not covering it, Imran. And someone needs to cover it. Mm. And I actually had plans that Saturday. And, you know, so you I had it. to tell my wife, I'm sorry. Yeah, I did it. I, had to, I just felt mm. like I was coerced. I felt like I had to do it. Yeah. Um, because I just felt like if I didn't do it, they were going to make things difficult for me as the time goes on, because I was going to be there for four or five years. I mean, the same thing happened to me, mate. Like, so what they did was though, they kept having meetings with us. Like, you need to, you know, we need to figure this out. We need to have a plan. And like, what plan is there? You need to find locums. That's essentially what it is. But they kept mm. like having these meetings again and again, like compulsory meetings. And one of the things that we suggested was that some of the consultants just kind of, you know, step down and fill, fill the gaps, you know, if they were that desperate to fill them in. But they were, and they all were like, wow. oh, we don't, we don't have ALS, so we can't do it. Like, they were just like that. Oh, like, mate, oh. Mate. Um, That's like the most impossible <laughs> thing ever, 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 ever. You know, it's very, very unlikely going to get a consultant to step down. Yeah, yeah. They've left that behind. They're never going to come back. It's yeah. very unlikely. It's interesting to say that because I think a lot of a lot of consultants try to lapse their ALS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly that's what happened to us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what they that's the excuse they used. They said we don't have ALS. But Mehul, yeah, you're, let's say you're a consultant, five years in, and then you know you, you're having your weekends, you're having your evenings, you're turning up over on the Saturday doing the ward round, disappearing again, and suddenly out of the blue they're saying, Mehul, uh, we need you to step down. Would you do it? I've seen medical consultants do it. I've seen yeah. cardiology consultants do it, cardiology reg. Mm. You know, um, as trainees, I think we are a lot more powerful than we think mm. in terms of yeah. kind of saying yes and no. Mm. I think when you're in a substantive post as a consultant and there is a clinical risk with or without ALS, as a more permanent member of staff, you are, there is some more obligation on you as a consultant to keep the hospital admissions all that safe. Um, you know, you, you could argue that most of this risk for locum shifts and stuff would, could be mitigated. You know, you were saying, Imran, mm. um, about like you wouldn't want to work in a place that no one, you know, that that people know is horrible. I think mm. you both said it. Like, you know, you know, if you add 30 quid to every shift that is out there, people will probably pick most of those shifts up. Mm. And the reality is, is that, you know, and you know, I've, as a more kind of senior trainee in, in, in or trying to do a bit more management stuff, just because I'm trying to figure out who I am as, as a registrar, as a consultant, mm. is that, you know, actually money does attract people. Like if you, if you said the med rate is 43, is, is 53 pounds on a weekend, and then you add 20 or 30 quid on it, actually you're going to have a whole much, much wider pool of people who are going to consider doing that shift, even if they know it's going to be a bit crap, even if they know that they're going to be a post-take with, yeah. post with a consultant is actually not particularly nice because they're going to get a decent amount of remuneration yeah. from mm. it. I've done so it. I, I think it is all, I think a lot of this is financial, mm. you know, trying to get people to do, to get that, to get those shifts done. Yeah, totally. So I've done F1 ward cover and med red rate. 
because yeah, wow. even I knew it was going to be horrible. I'm like, I was like, oh, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, that, that I guess that's different. I mean, if they're going to, but I mean, the reason why they're trying to coerce people into doing these things is because they don't want to shell out the extra money, isn't it? I mean, that's happened to me. They didn't want to shell out for a locum. They were like kind of coming out with all this stuff like, oh, well, you know, Imran, like um, you need to just do this extra shift. And I'm like, why? And I was like, well, you know, we just need it to be covered. And they just kept going and going and going. And eventually yeah. I just did it because I didn't want the grief of having to deal with the consultants I'd be working with for yeah, the rest yeah. of my time. And um, I mean, I wish it made things better. It didn't really make any kind of things didn't go great for me at all. Yeah. But it, I'm just saying that like, we all know, I mean, I've said this before in a previous podcast, like if we're all getting paid bankers wages, then we, it's very unlikely we would complain about as much as we do because we'd feel we feel remunerated, you know, if we're if we're getting paid a six, you know, a six figure salary. Yeah. And so it just it just means that, like, basically, what's the issue? What are we fighting for? Yeah. And that's what I more than three percent a bit like. Yeah, I mean, exactly. We want more than 3%. And like you said, Mehul, like if you increase the rates that someone's going to pay you to do a locum, even if it's a, if it's a terrible locum, you'll find that people do it for the for the right enumeration. I mean, yeah. it, it does boil down to the financial incentive that's, that is there, whether you want to admit it or not. So you're lying, Imran. You're lying. How much are you worth? Yeah, exactly. How much are you worth? That's what you need to ask yourselves. Yeah, ask yourselves, how much yeah. are you worth? How much but are you, you worth? Your worth? Your worth of who you are comes a lot more so like the i in my head i have a rate for the job that i want to do and you know if i'm going to be bloody med red on call i'm going to ask for a decent amount of money whether it's a quiet hospital or whether it's a busy hospital because that is what is going to get me out of bed on a saturday mm. at 8 a.m or whatever time it's the, the shift starts mm. but at the same time so I was thinking about this this whole concept of, you know, like we talk a lot about like well-being and junior doctors and like trying to make each other happy and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like I, I think we need to bring the concept of well-being and, 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 and happiness kind of back to us again, back to the consultants, back to, we need to bring it back to the firm mm. in the sense that if you need some shift covered on Thursday, yeah. tell that person that you might not be able to pay them more, but maybe that you'll give them a half day off in a couple of weeks mm. time to yeah. say thank you. Or mm. maybe say to them that, look, if you do Saturday and Sunday this weekend, I know you're meant to be on the ward on Monday, but I'll give you Monday and Tuesday off because we can support ourselves on the ward on Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. Mm. You know, bringing that well-being and stuff back back in-house. So mm. I, you know, I'm obsessed with this idea that I, I know that I can make my, my more junior colleagues happy That's... beyond the hospital environment. I don't need to pay them, five, I don't need to pay my F1 50 quid an hour. Mm. I can say to my F1, you know, do it for the base rate that you're being offered, mm. um, but you don't have to come into work on Monday and Tuesday because I can give you a day. Or like, I'll do the CBD for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that doesn't really work, does it? <laughs> it works for like maybe the first three months and then it comes around. I mean, that's, uh, that's, you, Mel, that's you being nice, right? That's yeah. you being nice and you're kind of taking yeah. upon yourself to do that. But what would be nice if that came from somewhere else, like management, if that came mm. from the top, yeah, like totally. this is an official policy. You know, like we appreciate the work that you do. And because you did that, we're going to give you such and such time off. You get time off in lieu and that kind of thing. You're not going to, you're not going to get that from a, you know, the, the reality is, is that, you know, as doctors, we want to keep the service safe. Management want to keep it safe at the cheapest cost possible. And the, you know, the reality is you're not going to get that. You're not going to get that sort of rhetoric coming from managers 
who want to you in the hospital at the cheap. I mean, that's the whole point of the whole bloody strikes, wasn't it? The whole point of the strike was they wanted to hire us at a cheaper rate on the weekends. Mm. You know, there is no way a manager is ever going to turn around and say, of course you can have three days off and you can mm. have this time off at Lou and for working our weekend and you're going to get the SHO rate. They're never going to do that. So I think I, I guess my feeling is that you've got to, we've got to probably bring some of that well-being and looking after each other a bit more in-house. Um, but you're right, you're right. It's just me being being nice, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm saying the reason I'm saying that, you know, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a nice thought and it's a good thing. But you know, like if if uh, I'm not saying this is what you're doing, but let's say that let's say that something like that were to occur and management got wind. Then they could easily be like, well, you know, you can't be giving people days off unofficially. You know what I mean? They'll they'll come out of something. They'll come out of something. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So what I'm saying is, it would be nice if it was just an official thing where no one worries. It's nothing about anything. It's like this is the way it runs because the hospital is looking after you. That you've done them a favor, vice versa. But yeah. especially at a junior level, I've noticed that that doesn't really happen. You know, like uh, people just push to do things, get to cover things, and that kind of stuff. And it's a real shame that that um, kind of happens uh, at all, actually. And this is what I keep trying to say. Like, how much are you worth? And also, how much are you willing to put yourself out there for a system that doesn't value you in the first place? And yeah. we touched this on this last time. And I think Self actually tweeted something very similar to what we were talking about in that if you're going to put yourself out there, try and make sure you're putting yourself out there for the right reasons, right? Like if you're going to look after, you know, there's, there's so much you do for your friends and family, which is a, a nice and wonderful thing, because you'd expect them to do the same thing for you. But I'm not convinced that the NHS or or the, the place where you work are going to do the same thing for you when things really hit the fan. And we've seen that again and again with some of the, the cases that have been brought forward against doctors. I mean, someone was even talking about the other day, like, you know, these whistleblowing cases that pop up, right? Yeah. And then, you know, strangely enough, the whistleblower gets a trouble and then they end up having a lot of grief yeah. but when you look at the whistleblowing like what were they whistleblowing what was the issue what were they trying to highlight and it's always like staffing issues or dangerous dangerous cover but now they have to deal with all this grief yeah and see so that's and that's all the de- that's de-incentivizing you or whatever the word is yeah. from you to make a fuss that's what they're trying to show you that yeah okay fine you might have a legitimate reason to whistleblow if you do that you might have a bit of grief to deal with and are you willing to deal with yeah. that and that, that is interesting you say that only because you know, you know, I remember when I was a locum registrar for two years. I had a, a, a colleague of mine say, you know, every time you do a locum, you are exposing yourself to a, a certain level of clinical risk. Mm. And if is it worth it? Is it worth it for your free time, your family, and all the things that you might miss, and the clinical risk that you accumulate doing shift after shift? Mm. You know, is it worth it? I mean, I was just thinking about the whistleblower Chris Day. It always sticks in my mind because mm. he went to an yeah. IT and they were like, he was they were kind of saying or, or like at the beginning or like you're awesome and then, you know maybe you'd want to be a consultant here one day and then he started to highlight issues and then they kind of fired back with like oh is he a, like he went from being this really really promising trainee that they all kind of really seemed to like to someone who they're saying oh we actually got concerns about him and all this kind of stuff and he ended up giving up his number mm. didn't he and, all, and it was just really like mm. messy and uh, the way they kind of weaponized everything against him was just really like horrible it's horrible to see I don't know if you guys feel the same, but I feel like we kind of abandoned him to a certain extent, didn't we? Like, you know, that's a, a part of our... He, he was a prominent part of our past history as, as doctors, maybe years ago during the strike. You know, I think years ago, I mean, it was like four or five years ago. It's not, right. it's not, it's not like World War Two. It's not, you know, did we... You know, those cases like that and and Bauer Garber, you know, these they've become a part of our our history now. Yeah. And 
you know, there are things, you know, I think Bauer Garber, she, she, she had a, a positive outcome, but I think Chris Day is still fighting yeah, he is. for yeah. all, all the things that he was still fighting for, 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 for from a few years ago. And actually, if you look at the case, you could argue that, you know, these are still issues that affect us, you know, mm-hmm. staffing, the management, all the things that kind of add to clinical risk on a day-to-day basis. Are we fighting for those things? Mm-hmm. But, you know, we've got lots of other things to worry about. We've got, like, COVID to worry about. We've got 3% pay rise to worry about. We've got, what the F, f you know, Vain Doc's going to post about next on Twitter? <laughs> you know, what's what's uh, Uncle, what's, what's Uncle going to do next? Is he going to, you know, smear his feces on the wall and take a picture of it and say, you know, this is going to reduce the party? Or, don't eat donuts, eat my poo on the wall. Like, I don't know. It's glazing. so many things. There's a money so many things to like, worry about right now. Oh my god, I feel like anxious already. <laughs> and you're, giving, you're giving him ideas, isn't it? It'd be a little money spinner, yeah. You know, by no, no, uncle, uncle is. I think he's got lots of things going on. Um, I mean, we're kind of uh, Mehul. I mean, look, we we've been big fans of your tweets over the last few weeks since, yeah, we, since we pretty much began this entire. Yes, yeah. yeah, since, since we began this entire thing, if there was one thing you could leave us with, one, one gem, one little gem of advice, would you would you like to just Give us something, man. Pretend you're tweeting at us. And part say in vocal form. Some wisdom. Come on, Sensei, tell us something. Yeah. Oh my God, no, I cannot wait. Hold on, Therese, what did you say a Sensei meant again? Uh, one who's been, <laughs> <laughs> someone who's been there before. One who's been there before. Oh, oh God, I don't know. I just- I um, love doing this to people. I love putting them on this. Yeah, I know. Oh, I love um, it, go for it. Be who you are, but also <laughs> don't be who you are. And be happy, but also don't be happy. But also, tweet, but don't tweet. But also, <laughs> but also save it in your drafts until the next day. That's it. That's my piece of advice. That's that's very that's very that's very wisdomous. That's very. Wisdomous. Save. Mehul, thank you so much for coming on, man. No, thank you for inviting me. It's been. <laughs> it's been a, it's been okay. <laughs> Five out of ten, I guess. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Oh dear. No, thank you very much, Mehul. As always, uh, we appreciate your tweets. Please keep them coming. We need that material, and it's been a great pleasure having you uh, physically, well, kind of physically, virtually here to have a chat to us about uh, about some of what's been going on on Met Twitter this week. Uh, last week we had our Twitter Spaces, Mehul. You're very welcome to turn up to that. Um, Ajay yeah, is uh, organising that every Monday evening at eight o'clock. Uh, it's been great fun. Got to get to the, get to kind of meet a few regulars and a few funny, very very funny people have turned up uh, who real good laugh actually. So kind of building up a nice community there. So do turn up if you do want to have a chat to us live and get to know us. So, as always, have a great week. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week for some more fun. Bye. And you've been listening to Two Medics and One Mike with Imran Lasker and Therusha Gwadna. Thank you for listening.